Welcome to All Things with Jen Oshman, where we look at events and trends through a Christian lens. All things were created through Jesus and for Jesus, so we're seeking to apply His Word to what's happening here and now. Did you see the photo coming out from the Rio Grande earlier this week? It's absolutely heartbreaking and takes courage to view and to ponder. It's of a father and daughter face down on the bank of the river. The father is 25-year-old Oscar Alberto Martinez Ramirez and his 23-month-old daughter, Valeria. According to his 21-year-old wife and police at the border, Oscar swam across the river with his daughter, planted her safely on the bank, and went back for his wife. Little Valeria was scared and went after her father, and so of course he returned quickly to save her, but they were both swept away by a swift undercurrent. Oscar's wife, Tanya, watched in horror as her husband and daughter drifted away. The father and daughter were discovered the next morning several hundred yards away from where they tried to cross. In the photo, Valeria is shown tucked into her father's shirt with her arm draped across his neck. The photo, now widely shared, is shocking and horrific. Some people have responded that the photo is exploitive, that it's being used as a political tool and a mockery of the young family. I can understand this and want to be sensitive to that, and I agree we should not exploit these victims even further. But I also believe that seeing it and seeing pictures of this sweet young family prior to their devastating and far too early deaths, a picture I saw of the three happy and healthy and beautiful at a recent birthday party, these pictures humanize our current border crisis. It puts precious God-made faces to the numbers and the headlines that we're becoming immune to. I think we must see it. I think we must take time to view the grim reality of what is happening on our southern border. This is not the European migration crisis. This is not happening on the shores of North Africa and Southern Europe. This is happening right here in our nation on our border in our neighborhood. The issue of immigration, especially on our southern border, the border between the United States and Mexico, has become so politicized, so divisive, so electric, that I think we're tempted to look away. The issue is so complicated. We wonder, what is driving people north? How should the United States respond? What policies do we have in place that are good and just? And what policies do we have in place that are inhumane and abhorrent? What is someone to do? How should a Christian respond? Well, I definitely do not have the time to answer those questions. Even if all things was a multi-hour podcast, I wouldn't have those answers, and I don't think I could get to the bottom of them. But I do want to exhort you and me to look at this picture, to imagine the life of Oscar and Tanya and their baby Valeria. They fled life in El Salvador two months ago, and they set out for a brighter future in the United States. Last Sunday, they went to the U.S. consulate in Matamoros to try to get a date to request asylum. But waits there are long, as elsewhere along the border. According to the Associated Press last week, a shelter director said only about 40 to 40 asylum interviews were being conducted at that location each week, while somewhere in the neighborhood of 800 to 1,700 names were on a waiting list. Perhaps frustrated at the seemingly impossible wait, Oscar and Tanya decided to try and cross the border, present themselves to authorities on the U.S. side, and to claim asylum here. Now, in this episode of All Things, I just want to help you and me better understand a little bit what's going on at the border right now, and then think about how we Christians might respond. Again, I don't have time to really delve into the root causes of our current immigration crisis, or really to consider the spectrum of political responses or what route our government should take. But I will be linking in the show notes a number of articles that will help you wrap your mind around the current crisis at our border, including especially recent reports of unsanitary and unsafe conditions of migrant children who have arrived in the U.S., without their parents. I implore you to take a few hours this weekend to really read up on the issue. Regardless of your political stance, delve into what's happening to precious image bearers, humans, adults, and children alike at the hands of our own government. You and I cannot claim ignorance.
Before we move on, a few definitions might be helpful. Know that immigrants are anybody who leaves one nation to go reside in another. Refugees means it's a legal status, a legal definition. Refugees are people who have a well-founded fear of persecution based on race, religion, nationality, membership in a social group, or a political opinion, okay? But asylum seekers, and this is what we've got at our border, asylum seekers, these are people who are fleeing poverty or disaster or crime. It's people who are afraid to be in their home country and they're, they flee, they're fleeing to get help. It's people, families, children who are primarily fleeing violence in Central America and Mexico. Increasing violence and practical anarchy in communities throughout Central America and Mexico caused by drug cartels and local gangs has caused an influx of asylum seekers at our borders. Asylum seekers have endured lifetimes of hunger, rape, murder, torture, kidnapping, and robbery in their communities. For example, I'm going to link an article in the show notes about a woman from Honduras named Myra. She fled Honduras pregnant and with three children, ages two, six, and a preteen. Her three siblings and her husband had all been murdered in her hometown, and a local gang had demanded that she become a lookout for them. She knew that her refusal meant her certain death, so she fled with her children in hopes of rescuing herself and them. According to the article that I will link, which was written by a pastor in San Antonio, it normally takes a month for a family to get from Honduras. Guatemala, or El Salvador to the southern border of the United States. Immigrants ride freight trains and buses and walk for miles through cities and wilderness. Along the way, they are targeted for robbery, kidnapping, and sexual exploitation. The article goes on to say that despite these dangers, asylum seekers from these countries have been coming to the U.S. in increasing numbers. Most turn themselves in at the southern border, and after initial immigration screenings for fear and credibility, many are taken to detention centers while they coordinate with U.S.-based family or sponsors who will provide plane or bus tickets to their next destination. Upon leaving, the travelers are strapped with tracking devices and given mandatory check-in dates. But logistical kinks are numerous, and migrants often find themselves in cities like San Antonio in need of temporary shelter until they can get to their final destination. As I said, the article was written by a pastor in San Antonio, and it goes on to describe how his church is helping to provide emergency services and trauma therapy to asylum seekers like Myra and her children. I think it's so easy to write off the experiences of people like Myra. We think callously from our comfortable homes, things like, well, they shouldn't have tried to come into this country, or we just don't have the room, or I'm sorry you were born in Honduras, but that's not our problem. It's not the job of American citizens to shoulder the burden of unfortunate people like Myra. There are so many ways we ignore the problem happening, or so many ways we justify not really getting involved, so many reasons we look away from the photos. But as believers, in the Lord Jesus? Is that how we ought to respond? Indeed, the situation is overwhelming and it's nearly impossible to envision a sustainable solution at this moment. But is it acceptable for Christians to have a callous, insensitive response? Definitely not. So first, we must develop an accurate view of ourselves. What did you and I do to deserve to be born in the United States? How did we earn our precious U.S. citizenship? Every American enjoys a wealth of freedom and comfort and protection that is unimaginable in many parts of the world. Even the most marginalized and most impoverished American has a lifestyle and resources that are far beyond what others enjoy in other countries. How much more those of us, like myself, in the United States who are not marginalized, who are not impoverished, how much more wealthy are we? Wealthy in freedom and comfort and independence. 
And what did we do to earn our birthright here? Nothing. We did nothing in our mother's wombs to deserve being born in the United States. In fact, you and I, unless you are a Native American or unless you are an African American, you, you're, you are the descendant of immigrants. You, your ancestors came here as the migrants are now coming to our southern border in search of peace, fleeing poverty, fleeing violence, fleeing persecution in search of a better life. Our ancestors and the current migrants have everything in common. And just like our salvation through Jesus, our birthright into the kingdom of heaven, we did nothing to deserve our birthright into the United States. We did nothing to deserve either birthright. We have no ownership over our citizenship in heaven and our citizenship in the United States. Both are gifts, 100% handed down to us by the grace of God alone and through no effort of our own. And to whom much is given, Jesus said, much is required. We must steward our citizenship in both places. We must recognize them as free gifts not meant to be hoarded, but meant to be given out as they were given to us. How might you and I use our citizenship as Christians and as Americans to serve others? Let's not forget where we came from. We are descendants of immigrants and we are rescued and redeemed by the Lord Jesus. How can we use those things to serve the vulnerable? So after recognizing this foundational truth about ourselves, we must develop a biblical view of migrants. All human lives have dignity and worth from conception to natural death. All people are created in the image of God, no matter where we are born, skin color, religion, economic level, ability or disability, contribution or lack of contribution to society, even legal status, culture and cultural values, even our enemies. Everyone was created in the image of God. All lives are sacred and special and set apart. All are immeasurably valuable. As Christ followers, we don't get to view others as less than. We are not permitted to look down on another people group and think, of them even subconsciously as subhuman. We must view each face on the news and in the newspapers and online, the faces that are at the border, that are seen through the fences and through gates. Those faces bear the image of your creator and mine, your savior and mine. Now, after thinking about a foundational view of ourselves and thinking at a, about a biblical view of migrants, let's Let's uh, come face to face with the biblical view of caring for the sojourner, the poor, the widow, and the orphan. The Old Testament law is replete with commands to care for the sojourner, the poor, the widow, and the orphan. I'm just going to read a couple verses to you really quick. Exodus 23, 9, do not oppress a foreigner. You yourselves know how it feels to be foreigners because you were foreigners. Leviticus 19, when a foreigner resides among you in your land, do not mistreat them. The foreigner residing among you must be treated as your native born. Love them as yourself. Deuteronomy 10, and he defends the cause of the fatherless and the widow and loves the foreigner residing among you, giving them food and clothing. And you are to love those who are foreigners, for you yourselves were foreigners in Egypt. Now, Jesus, as he came not to abolish the law, but to fulfill it, he calls us to even more than the Old Testament law, more than following ordinances and obeying rules. Jesus wants us to fulfill the law with our heart posture. He said the two greatest commands are to love the Lord our God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength, and to love our neighbors as ourselves. In Matthew 25, he said, for I was hungry and you gave me no food. I was thirsty and you gave me no drink. I was a stranger and you did not welcome me naked and you did not clothe me sick and in prison and you did not visit me. Truly, I say to you, as you did not do it to one of the least of these, you did not do it to me. How are you and I serving the least of these right here in our global neighborhood at our Southern border? 
So finally, in developing a biblical view of the migrant and asylum seekers, let's not forget the Great Commission. You and I are called to go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. How can we justify going? How can we justify sending missionaries to go if you and I are not willing to love and serve and bless the nations when they come to us? So we've developed a view of ourselves, we've developed a biblical view of migrants, and now we need to develop a realistic view of who migrants really are. Every immigrant is not a consumer. Every immigrant is not on welfare, is not poor, is not uneducated, is not illegal. Immigrants help to weave together the rich fabric of our culture and our economy. Many immigrants are great contributors to our society, to our churches, to the fabric and layout of our cities. They are not all the consumers that I think that many of us envision them to be. They are great contributors and we need them. We want them amongst us. Get to know migrants in real life, or at the very least, get to know them through books and articles. I'm going to link some in the show notes. Be aware of who immigrants really are, what they really go through, what their lives are really like, what they bring to the table, what they're capable of, what their credentials are, what they do when they get here. Books, documentaries, articles, or especially just knowing some in person in real life are the ways to better understand where they come from, who they are, and what it means to open up our borders in some way, or at the very least to open up our hearts, our homes, our churches, our lives, our relationships, our resources to the vulnerable, to the foreigner amongst us. As our hearts soften, as we slow down and really sit in the reality of what's happening on the border of Mexico and the United States, my prayer is that you and I would be moved to some kind of action through prayer, through seeking the word of God, through really asking the Lord, what do you have for me in this current migration crisis that you and I would be moved to action? You can help now by doing a little bit of your own research into churches that are along the border in the United States. Research those churches, see what they're doing, see how you can get involved by maybe visiting, maybe driving a U-Haul full of supplies to that church, or maybe just sending some cash or some prayers. Um, See what churches are doing. I want to recommend to you World Relief. World Relief is an excellent Christian organization, and it's a great place to start. World Relief provides legal aid to asylum seekers, physical aid to migrants. They're helping to connect churches to the suffering. They can help you understand legally and politically what's going on at the border and how you can reach out to your local politicians and lawmakers if you feel so moved. Friends, to whom much is given, much is required. I know in my own community, and I confess in my own heart, it is tempting to look away. We are safe and we are comfortable, and we've got this evil knee-jerk reaction to hoard it or to claim it as our own. May it not be so. May you and I look at the photo of Oscar and Valeria. May we wrestle with reality. May we be prayerful, and may we take some kind of action in Jesus' name. Thanks for listening to All Things with Jen Oshman, where we look at events and trends through a Christian lens. All things were created through Jesus and for Jesus, so we're seeking to apply His Word to what's happening here and now. I look forward to chatting with you next week.